All right, so we're going to do something special for Thanksgiving. I'm only going to do one interview this week. It's going to be with Dr. Dave Nichols. He's a chiropractor in Belmont. I'm very happy to have you on the podcast. My dad recommended you. You're a huge movie fan. I really trust what my dad says, so what he says is usually gospel. Tell me what really got you into movies in the first place. First of all, I want to thank your dad, and my bribery dollar has gone to good <laughs> good purposes, so that's good. Good. Oh, entertainment, escapism is something that has been ingrained upon me, and mm-hmm. And uh, literature, art, uh, music, movies, yeah. for me is something that you can. Now, now and now, um, audiobooks. Yeah, I love. I just listened to the Count of Monte Cristo, my favorite book of all time, mm-hmm. on audiobook with Sir David Clark, the best narrator I could ever imagine. And his, he paints a picture somewhere between reading it, where you everything is your own picture, and a movie, which is here's my view of it. Right. Somewhere between, and then it was marvelous. So I'm. I'm an escapist, yeah, and I love it. I admit, it. and that's the thing about movies—you yeah. can you lose yourself for two hours or however long it is. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to go through the questions that we had in the earlier podcast. Okay, and then um, we may get into other questions, but we'll we'll see how this goes. So, the very first question I asked everyone: Well, what was the very first movie you remember seeing in a theater? This one I do remember. Of the questions, some of the questions were a little bit more difficult looking back on. Sure. At least trying to extrapolate. So, my dad and my mom took. Uh, our family, seven of us, to see from San Carlos up to San Francisco, see Mary Poppins. Oh, nice! I'm thinking circa 1962 or yep. something like that, mm-hmm. and it was a fantastic experience. In fact, I think the next weekend we said let's go do it again. Yeah. We went back and saw it again. So that was a great experience to go. You know, not to can we tangent a little bit here? Absolutely. Uh, one of the problems with young people, Brian, yeah, with I, you, I, you people. I think I know where you're going with this. Yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so much saturation. Yes, that nothing is special. My dad took my sisters and my two cousins to see the Beatles in yeah. 1964. <laughs> No one's ever seen the Beatles. Yeah, and so at the at people, Candlestick at uh, Cow Palace. Oh, Cow Palace. Okay, and, and so it might have been sixty-five. So mm-hmm. that is something that um, kids nowadays go. Oh, I guess that was kind of cool. No, it was the only. It was the biggest thing. You, the, seeing the president wasn't that big. Yeah. So the saturation of so much uh, entertainment and so much, so many choices has kind of dulled some experience. And so for me as a kid, going to see Mary Poppins was absolutely insane. Yeah. It was a bit of greatest thing. It was a magical movie too. Absolutely. It was like we went and saw something dark. You well, know? you know, <laughs> movies today, if it's really good, like the last Star Wars, might be out for two months. Back, you know, back in the day, it would be out for at least a year, if not longer. They keep re-releasing it. They just don't do that anymore. I forget the year. You must know. I'm guessing 79, but Star Wars came out. 77. 77. Yeah. And uh, we stood in line at the and this and we're, we're not talking 1937 so it wasn't that ancient no. I mean I think we had the Walkman back then right? <laughs> for God's sake but uh, so we stood in line at the Old Mill Theater in Mountain View mm-hmm. which, and the whole line was around the block it wasn't the original Blockbuster that was Jaws as you know yes. from the Spielberg but, however and we stood in line drinking champagne it was such a big event no to way. go see Star Wars mm-hmm. so yes absolutely you know those things were special and, and we remember them so when you saw Star Wars, did you think immediately it was going to be this iconic thing that's going to last generations and generations? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, it was that unique and mm-hmm. that different. At least the first one I saw, whatever episode that was. Yeah. The next ones were kind of like, you know, but the whole, the way it introed with a long time ago and a f- coming over your head yeah. with the sound in a galaxy far, far away was just an unusual experience. Yeah. And so I did think it was going to be something uh, pretty special, although I, I haven't taken it to the new realms with all the new prequels and sure. things, so I don't know that much about those. The first three were something that I saw, and it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty special. Going back to Mary Poppins, it's interesting because Disney was especially guilty of this, where they would just you know re-release films. Like they, they'd, hold, they'd hold it back. Fantasia, yeah, all those. Absolutely. <laughs> so I remember seeing them in the fir- for the first time, not on video, but at the movie theater. My mom would take me down to the Hillsdale Theater in San Car- or San Mateo. 
Um, Love that theater. Yeah, and uh, you know, I would saw Peter Pan and you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and and that was great because it wasn't going to come out in home movie. You had to see it in the theater. You had to experience it, and we'd see it over and over again. Fantastic. So, yeah. uh, speaking of snow, see, this is talking about sidebar off a sidebar off no, a sidebar. I'll try my best about. to bring it back. No, no, no. This is what it's about. Snow White. I was watching History Channel last month. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is a true story by, from the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. It was based. They had to, they they kind of talked because that was pretty pretty grim, pun intended. Yeah. In those <laughs> days in Germany, and so it's a true story of a of a beautiful little princess uh, whose father was a king, uh, who was uh, with the new mother, the evil stepmother, was absolutely uh, je jealous, and mm -hmm. the father got this woman. This is how the show started on the on the um, History Channel. The special mirror from Belgium or somewhere that said it's the finest glass and it will, will always tell you the truth. The yeah. mirror, mirror on the wall. Mm -hmm. And every time she looked in it, it was beautiful. She saw, she kept being reminded of this beautiful little girl that everyone loved. And there was a poison apple, exiled her, you know. Um, and then as, the, you know the story, and as, yeah. she was, as she was going through the forest, she actually came across these malnourished miners, seven of them who were dwarfs. Yeah. The seven dwarfs. Interesting how much, and we, we're not going to segue too much, but how much of history... Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. How much of these stories are history and mythology? It, there's a blending there. Absolutely. And so I, I, that fascinates me about about uh, literature yeah. and about art. You know, and Disney especially would would make it his own, like he did with Mary Poppins. And I sure I'm sure you saw Saving Mr. Banks and the difficulty he had trying to get that. And I, I don't know which story is um, you know his side or, or her side goes better, but I'm sure there's something in between. There. Well, I, speaking of that, I love this, to see the making behind the making. Uh, Francis Coppola's wife made Hearts of Darkness, mm -hmm. an Academy Award-winning film about the filming of Apocalypse right, Now. Right, right. And um, you're a Hitchcock buff, I am, and yeah. uh, and uh, so you saw Hitchcock with Anthony yes. Hopkins, yes. which you know was the filming of Psycho, and, right. and that whole process of that. Yeah. And that brings us to another sidebar, which <laughs> is the money people in Hollywood are such pieces of dumb crap. <laughs> when they they're they're trying to tell Steven Spielberg what to do during Jaws, almost fired him. Yeah. They're trying to tell. Uh, Francis Coppola to fire um, Al Pacino because he wasn't who they wanted. He's like these these money people. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that's kind of why Orson Welles didn't last as long as he did. I mean, he just didn't take kindly to what movie movie execs were saying. He had his Citizen Kane, but after that, it was not downhill. But he never had the same sort of backing. Yeah, and he, he also went after William Randolph first, which he didn't do at the time. So. Well, you probably still don't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, that, so definitely Mary Poppins is one of the earlier films you remember. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, other other films that my dad, we saw, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid a few years later. Yeah. We saw West Side Story. My, my sisters were all into musicals. And yeah. Like, and so my... All my female friends, with all my knowledge of musicals and what have they asked, go, are you sure you're not gay, dude? <laughs> oh, I'm just a musical buff. Right. And, uh, Which and, is yeah, okay. So, so we saw some movies. Then when I was a little bit older, we could walk to the Carlos Theater. We could walk to the uh, – there were three theaters in downtown where I would grow up in San Three theaters within walking distance. Yeah. That's how amazing it was. There was yeah. the Laurel, mm -hmm. which showed up a little more B-run kind of movies. There was the – um, Carlos, which yep. was more the A run, and there was the, 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 later on the Tivoli came up, which is now the Tavola building. Right. And uh, I saw the very first movie there was Von Ryan's Express with Frank Sinatra. No way. So we'd yeah. go see surf movies that there in the Foxy, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, Bruce Brown movies, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Endless Summer, yeah. things like this. And we'd mm -hmm. go see Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Those kind of which were which is critically acclaimed movie, but yeah. So we'd see some really cool movies like for twenty five cents. Yeah, definitely was, the best Beatles movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The help was. Okay. Thrown yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it was a good time. It was a really good time to be, you know, alive. And to be absolutely. Okay. So we're gonna go off that. And so, what is your favorite scary slash horror movie? That's if, a, if that's you're a, into that. Yeah. yeah. I, when you say favorite, I'm gonna be the kind of guy that has several favorites. That's fine. Um, for me, um, 
some of the like the the, the up against the best movies like that are underrated like the thing John Carpenter's the thing with with, with uh, um, Kurt Russell fantastic okay. scary so you like picture. the remake better than the original from Howard Hawks yes I okay. do okay. Uh, yeah um, and I'm not a remake guy mm -hmm. but that one I did love and that segues into the soundtracks the soundtrack which yeah. we'll talk about later sure, but sure. soundtracks are either great music involved like Days to Confuse or or Woodstock the movie sure or it's that is the score it's the score and yeah. how it fits the movie gladiator had a fantastic with that haunting soundtrack and then sure. and the soundtrack to the thing was also haunting with the beat and what have yeah. you so the thing's a fantastic um the the two i also love poltergeist steven spielberg mm. said he wanted to make a movie that is a nightmare from a child's point of view and it is because we're all children yeah if you ever read interviews with spielberg he's yeah. a child his whole mo his whole life is influenced by how children think of the world right. et uh, yeah yeah exactly yeah. uh close encounters and so yeah. and so um he made that movie which is a you know clowns coming to life trees swallowing boys you know on and on yeah. and it's really it's a little over the top and almost comical and over the top yet scary, creepy, and affecting. So yeah. That's a great motion picture. So that's another one. You could also throw in the cross between the genre of science fiction and horror, sure. like Alien Aliens. Fant absolutely world-class, fantastic motion picture. Yeah. Ridley Scott and whoever the other director was of that. Yeah. But I'm going to have to go with the two. Uh, it's going to be Psycho and The Exorcist. Those yeah. are the kings, and that's it. It's like, whether you like the Stones or the Beatle, yeah. those are the kings. <laughs> that's true. You know, those yeah. two movies are the kings of, of the horror genre. And definitely The Exorcist was the most. Um, that one, I think a lot of people said The Omen. Uh, the original Gregory Peck. That was a great motion yeah. picture. I never forget the scene in The Omen when, uh, two scenes when the, the nanny says, Damien, this is for you. I love you. And she hangs herself off the roof. Uh -huh. That's kind of the beginning of it all. Yeah. There's another scene when Lee Remick wakes up in the hospital and uh, uh, she looks up and there's the scary nanny, other nanny who yeah. pulls the veil back. And yeah. Very, very good really motion. Really good. Really well done. Yeah. yeah really well done motion. I, yeah, we could probably go down the list of good ones. Oh, sure. Those are good ones. Yeah. You know, there's been some other, you know, like for instance, there have been some comical ones. Did you ever see the original Fright Night? Oh, of course, yeah. Great motion picture, yeah. and it's comical and scary with yeah. Chris Sarandon doing a bang-up job as Dracula or yeah. as a vampire. Sure. And that's when, you know, there's a scene in there when he goes to, the, the boy finds out that, well, don't worry, a vampire cannot come into your home unless he's been invited by the, and he comes home and he's sitting there and she goes, he goes, how'd you get it? He goes, your mom invited me. Yeah. And so the whole scene is creepy. Yeah. And then he goes... He goes, and he goes, he goes, I'm going to bed. He goes, see you soon, Jamie, whatever his yeah. name is. He goes, he goes, I'll see you. He goes, soon. soon it's yeah. just creepy. The whole, the whole ominous part of yes. that. So I love, I wish the horror genre was not somehow looked down the nose upon by the literary mob because yeah. it's, it shouldn't be. No. I was reading um, about 10 or 12 years ago in either the New Yorker or the New York or the New York Times, but it was their literary editor, the, the main guy, who mm -hmm. was writing an article saying that he believes that Stephen King and William Shakespeare, the two best authors of all time. I'll tell your dad. That. But your dad, <laughs> your dad would agree. Uh, but uh, but and he gives his reason why. But it wasn't for the horror genre yeah. being somehow enjoyed, but looked down upon. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to drama or you know, comedy is the same way. Oh, absolutely. You look at a movie like Animal House, which every male considers one of the great sure. for what it's trying to be, yeah. a great comedy. And so horror has looked been looked down upon. I don't. Like uh, the Sixth Sense, yeah. is was considered a horror movie when it came out. That wasn't a horror movie. That was no. really a touching tale. Same with Carrie, Stephen King's Absol Kick, yeah. Carrie. It's not a horror movie. It's a sad story of a girl who just wants to be a girl. That's right. And her mom's just a freak and won't allow. Wants to be accepted. It's a fantastic. That's yeah. a fantastic motion picture. Absolutely. Original Carrie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing about comedies. 
they'll never win Academy Awards. It just doesn't get the love it deserves. And uh, even like a, it's a mad, mad, mad. Oh, world. it's brilliant. It's love, but yeah. the, oh, but it's just a comedy. Just yeah. in fact, just a lowbrow slapstick comedy, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. they're looked down upon by the, the intelligentsia. I'm going, yeah. why? But these because the they're phenomenally people, entertaining, right? But these are the same people that like the Three Stooges, but then would never give you know Dumb and Dumber. It's due. Well, <laughs> I think you know it's a, it. It happened one night. Does it, it happen one night? Yeah, the one with Clark Gable and and um, Claudette Colbert. I know I saw it along along yeah. with. Um, some like it hot. Those yeah. those kind of they've, that genre. They, they've won awards. They they would win awards, but today no. I mean, I asked someone the the best picture in 1986 was out of Africa. Now, good movie. A lot of people, but does Red it stand? Fern. Yeah, does it stand the test? And Meryl Streep doesn't stand the test of time as compared to Back to the Future, which came out which came out the same year. Back to the Future would never win an Academy Award. I but, think there's a degree of political correctness too oh, in, sure. in, in the with the Academy. Like some of these things, like I don't know what Life of Pi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Come on, I you know I don't know, and it's the same thing like when they yeah, I'm a rock and roll fan, yeah, like rock and roll uh, Hall of Fame votes. For, oh yeah, are you, are don't you get me started. Me? On you're that. reading out this and you're putting in this. Yes, yes, I don't understand it, and I know there's a degree of what people want right. to like. I'm a I'm a huge like Lou Reed fan. Yeah, I'm a, I also um, uh, Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. Can you name four of their songs? Can you I, name yes. fifty Doobie <laughs> Brothers? You know, oh, yeah. what I'm saying it's like so. What I'm sure. saying is okay. So you just leave me out of that. Well, how does how does Deep Purple finally get in? I think they finally got in last year. But then, you know, uh, two uh, God, what was the 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 rap group got in that? Um, yeah, yeah, NWA like got in, yeah. and you know, ABBA was in. You know, all these bands that aren't really technically rock and roll. Where you're leaving out. I saw Cheap Trick uh, just several months ago. Yeah, they'll they'll never get in. Well, yeah. and I don't even know whether they're nominated. I like I saw them with Peter Fram. Yeah. But they're not a Hall of Fame band. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's just, well, I think Journey. Journey finally got nominated. And Journey. I mean, they had tons of hits. Yeah, Journey. Yeah. I could see there because they were the, they were the head of the world for for a number of years. Yeah. and I could see that. I was also a Journey fan when they split off from Santana. Their first three albums. Yeah, like the Hotech days. I saw them at the Varsity Theater on Neil University Sean, yeah. Avenue with Neil Sean, yeah. Greg Raleigh, um, and, and uh, that was 1976 or five. Yeah, and. They were ma- magnificent, but they played music that the mainstream didn't like. Exactly, and then, then they then they got in Steve Perry, which yeah. changed their sound. They ended up not liking. Now later on, went back and said, "Wow, wow, why we not like it? It's just yeah. a change in sound, right?" Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, don't get me started on the rock. Well, the, so the, hor- yeah. the horror genre to yeah. me is a magnificent genre, and it just sells, and people like it, just like the comedy genre. Yeah, and uh, they're if they're, uh, even a lowbrow slapstick, if it's if it's that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dumb and Dumber or. Yeah. Uh, Liar Liar was a very good movie. Jim Carrey yeah. is brilliant at what he, he does, yeah. uh, and some of the other comedies. The Mask, from, yeah, yeah, and some of the comedies from the olden days that were just zany. Yeah. Uh, Rat Race is a very, very good movie that's overlooked. Yeah, well, it's, basically, it's a remake of basically it's a yeah, it is. and it's a zany, zany yeah. movie, you know. And yeah. I love those kind of things. So for me, I love a good scary flick. Yeah, and for me, the ultimate scary is creepy, mm-hmm. and that's where I think like. Uh, the Exorcist is just the creep. Right. Like you're looking at the corners of the room if you're watching this movie. You're yeah. like, holy crap, that kind of thing. It, didn't, it doesn't need the jump scare. It's got the the reality to it. Do you remember um, Joe Bob Briggs? Yeah, of and course. His, and his, his driving yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and whatever that show he had on, um, mm-hmm. and driving movie show. And he and he was commenting, and we were watching. I was watching the Exorcist like a lot of years ago, ten, twelve. Yeah. And he was he had the Exorcist on, and and boom, he stopped the movie at about an hour twenty one. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay, I'm stopping the movie because I want you to know this. He goes, think about this. He goes, it's an hour 21 in or hour 12. And he goes, and this is the first 
scary thing that's happened, yet you've been scared from the opening credits. It's true. That's an effective movie. Absolutely. And that's Hitchcock, you know, which is like yes. a bomb could go off, or you could know there's a bomb under the desk, right. and the anticipation factor, that's right? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's not what you see, it's what you think you're going to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Use the mind. That's yeah. right. Did you ever get into the William Castle movies, you know, the Tingler and the Vincent Price? And No. No. Yeah. No. I, I've seen Vincent Price movies, but I could mm -hmm. not even come close to remembering Vincent Price or Bela Lugosi or yeah. all those kind of movies. but Because uh, those were the campy classics where he'd actually set up, you know, like the shock seats and things like that where the tingle was coming after you. Yeah, it's a fun time. Dude. I love that idea. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was all show. Did you ever see the John Goodman movie um, where he was a B-movie producer who mm -hmm. um, was came to towns in the 50s, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and then he would he would have his kind of B-horror movies and then he would have like Christian hire protesters to protest the movie. That's right. So that people would gain interest in it. Yeah. Like, the, you know, if, if Christians really wanted, remember when the last temptation of Christ yes. before your time? Yeah. If they really wanted people not to watch that movie, don't stand in line and pick at the movie. Exactly. <laughs> it was like the PMRC in the 80s. Like, they put the sticker on there and the albums that they labeled as the Dirty Dozen ended up selling more because of that because that's what the kids wanted. So. Well, there's, yeah. there's always that factor in the 1960s. Yeah. Oh, The well, CIA yeah. and the FBI, FBI mostly would incite anti-Vietnam War riots sure. to find out who who attended them, then take notes on some for J. Edgar Hoover. Exactly. <laughs> That's Different. a little bit off the subject. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to more... Well, this is still bad stuff. So, what was the worst movie you saw on a date, and what was the worst date you had at a movie? Either or. Okay, I, I have to think back a little bit. But the, one I, the one that strikes me was... A combination of both. It was, okay. it was one of the best movies I've ever seen, mm -hmm. Apocalypse Now. Okay. And my date walked out on it, like <laughs> girlfriend, because it was so violent, which yeah. it is. It is. It's a horribly mentally, emotionally, viscerally violent movie, Absolutely. and that's the point. Yes. You know, Tarantino's violence is almost comical and graphic, and sure. the point of it is that. The slaughterhouse, And yeah. that movie was, that was a horrible war, and everything about it was horrible, yeah. and that movie depicted that magnificently, and she walked out. <laughs> but here's the, here's the, okay, that's good, she can walk out. Yeah. I love the movie, it's yeah. one of the greats. And here's the quandary, and that's like, oh, I love this movie, but I should follow my girlfriend out. <laughs> <laughs> and you stay. I don't remember. I'm gonna. I'm just for the sake of anyone listening. I'm gonna say, uh, if you're female, I followed her out and said, "Honey." Yeah. And for the guys, no, I stayed. Anyway, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> so did did you stay with her after that, or was that? Yeah, we we, we, we okay. dated for for. Uh, I lived with her and her family for for three years. It was just a movie. Got it. And okay. I look back on all the things I've done with communication and trying to learn how to be a better adult. Mm -hmm. it, like for instance. If she had like nowadays, if she had said, "Honey, I'm not, I'm not digging this, and I'm going to leave," yeah. do you think you could come with me? I'd say, "I'm all over that." Right. It's just a communication. Or she says, "Back in the day, we're yeah. leaving." Right. I'm like, "Huh? Oh, you know, get some popcorn for me on the way up." <laughs> do you know how much I paid to get in here? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Back then, I was yeah. like, "I paid five dollars." She's like, "Yeah, I'm not leaving. Yeah, I'm getting my money's worth." Right. Uh, what was the worst movie you actually saw on a date? This I don't remember. I don't. I don't. And yeah. I, I haven't been to that many bad movies in the theater. That's I, good. I, I'm there to be entertained. Yeah. And I'll cut artistic license, like most people will. For a lot of movies, mm -hmm. um, I've seen movies that were like, eh. What was the one I saw? And it was a Brad Pitt movie, and mm -hmm. I love Brad Pitt movies. Um, and it was he played a like a reluctant hitman, mm -hmm. and I literally went, well, it was it was like in the theater for yeah. a short time, and it wasn't very good. I've seen a few movies that you go. Uh, I remember I walked, I did walk out of one movie, and mm -hmm. it was I forgot what it was, and it was a movie that. Um, it was back, and you know, I had young children, and there was a, a child died in the movie. Oh yeah, and I, I just, I just, I just had, I, it, was, it wasn't the Robin Williams one, uh, Garp, mm. uh, that famous novel. But there was a movie where I just couldn't be part of it. Like, and I, for me, a movie that I won't even go to see, but I could walk out on, like, believe it or not, like the Liam Neeson series, mm. um, Taken. Taken. Yeah, 
I mean, everyone, oh, isn't it great? No, it's, just, it's gotten ridiculous yeah. to, in my mind. And, oh, he, he rescued his girl. Well, the other little teenage girl was killed in that yeah. first one. People forget, forget about, about that. that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I do remember one scene. There was a really good movie. Mel Gibson and Rene Russo were parents. And Gary Sinise was ultimately the cop bad guy. It was, and they kidnapped their son. Yeah. And it was called Ransom. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I just forgot about it. I thought, I'm not. I go, there was a scene in the movie where a packed audience. We're at... Uh, the Redwood City Theater, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, might have been the same town the Redwood City was built then. Yeah. And um, and then there's a kidnapped kid. It's it's really a viscerally oh, horrible yeah. movie. I remember seeing it. But people are sticking with it. Yeah. And there's a scene when all of a sudden on the computer screen, he shows, they said, show me my son, proof of life, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And they show the little boy taped, you know, and be, and, and it, you, you, you felt yeah. a gasp yeah. in the audience of, and I, I go, they lost the audience. Yeah. They lost the audience. Right then, seeing a little boy kidnapped yeah. and, and like it, it was like it was horrible. You didn't need to show it. To keep you you didn't. It was. It was yeah, and yeah. it was like one of those things where you just go and I go and he lost me. I lost. I don't want to want to see the rest of this movie. Yeah. You know, of course they're going to find. The course they're going to escape. But it was like a moment where there's a famous, a, a fantastic interview years ago with Bruce Stern, mm-hmm. who's been in more movies than who knows. Yeah. And he was talking about the movie industry and what he likes to do and on and on and on. He goes, mostly I like to watch my daughter in movies nowadays. Yeah. But I'll still, he goes, and they talked about writing. And there was a movie from the 60s, a made late 60s, might have been early 70s, called The Cowboys, John mm-hmm. Wayne. Yeah. Very great motion picture. And in the movie, when John Wayne is enlisted and he has to finally take to a cattle drive with a bunch of boys, like yeah. kids. Yeah. And it's kind of ill-fated from that standpoint and all the personalities won't have you. Bruce Dern in the movie, the bad guy, Kills a boy. In the yeah. Movie. And so he goes, and he tells the story. He goes, I'm sitting on the cutting room floor with John Houston and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Or I think it was John Houston, the director. Yeah. And I. So we're editing this movie. And Houston looks at us and goes, what do I do with this scene? Yeah. And so Bruce Dern goes, John's like, Bruce? He goes, if you leave this scene in, you will have a classic and you'll lose your audience. Yeah. John said, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So they kept the scene in. It was considered a, a, a absolutely respected and wonderful movie by yeah. the critics and everyone else. A great John Wayne movie. Yeah. And it was the lowest grossing John Wayne movie of all time. Right. So there was a decision at that particular point. There are some lines I don't think you can right. you can cross. You have a decision, a Rubicon at that point. Which way do we go on this? I think a lot of people with animals. Like, humans, for whatever reason, it doesn't bother them. Maybe kids does. But... You kill the animal. Like I remember oh. when the the movie Warhorse came out, and one and at Yahoo we had to look at the search logs, and one, some of them were, "Does the horse die?" They wanted to know before they went to go see it because if the horse died, that was it. So, so yeah. to you listeners, if, yeah. if there's a dog in it, like Marley and me, the dog's gonna die. I'm yeah. sorry, it's yeah. the way it is. Old Yeller, Old Yeller scarred me for life. <laughs> it's like you know, the one I, I never forget being in the theater with with my two little kids and my then wife, and we're watching. A real good movie yeah. uh, called uh, Homeward Bound with Michael Fox, mm-hmm. Sally Field, and Don Amici as the voice of yeah. the dogs and the cat. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they run away from home and during a move and what have you. And towards the end of the movie, he, uh, finally the dog, and you see over the horizon on the field, here comes the cat. So I go, oh my gosh, and the little girl's cat. Yeah. And here comes the, the young dog, and it's Michael Fox. Oh, all right. And then the boy's waiting for his 
wonderful dog who doesn't come over the hill. Yeah. And, the, and everyone in the audience, I can tear when I think about it, everyone's crying. And I wanted to stand up and go, he's going to come over the hill, I swear <laughs> to God, he is. And all of a sudden he comes over the hill and everyone applauds. Yeah. And I yeah. go, but that, you know, that and that, is that contrived? Yeah. Of is course. that good contrived? They're yeah. That's, on the heartstrings. That's yeah. good contrived. Yeah. Did you ever see My Dog Skip? Oh, of course, yeah. I thought that was a really underrated uh, Willie Morris story in motion picture mm -hmm. with, a, a great actor, great understated actor, Luke Wilson. I think he's a great understated actor. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, with the Munoz mm -hmm. young kid. Yeah. Real good, real good movie. And, yeah. And the dog, yeah, the dog dies in it. One of the saddest things, Brian, I've ever seen is a taxi episode. Remember the, the TV series oh, Taxi? Of course, yeah. Great series. Yeah. Dan, you know, Dan DeVito mm -hmm. as the mean little Louis. Yeah. De Palma. The whole thing. And uh, Alex Rieger. Um, I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah. Uh, he's the main character. And in this show, um, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch, yes. Judd Hirsch is the main. And so in the show, in the, in the, at the taxi station, his parents bring him his dog, his childhood dog, who's like 19, yeah. who's dying. And they said, we want you to, oh, he's not. And so the whole, every episode, the um, everyone from, uh, uh, who's the boxer that? Uh, oh, Tony Danza. Tony Danza. Yeah. Everyone's Mary like, hey, Leonard, yeah. everyone's, everyone's yeah. really sympathetic. Yeah. Hey, how's the dog? Oh, he, the whole time he said, it's just a dog. Don't worry about me. The it's whole, just a dog. The whole thing. Yeah. It's okay. Everything's like, the whole episode is just, it's just a dog. Don't worry about me. And they're okay, okay. Yeah. And at the end, the dog dies. Yeah. And he's sitting there all alone and he just starts crying. It's touching. Yeah, it is. Well, they're part of the family. And they and don't he goes, it's just a dog. Yeah. It's just a dog. And then he starts crying. It's yeah. just touching. So you have the animal thing. Is you have to be careful. Yeah. Of so no. kids, research that before yeah. you go. Kids and animals, <laughs> they're untouchables. You can't go there. Yeah. So we're going to go from that to, this is a perfect segue, to who is your favorite killer slash villain? There are so many good ones. There's, um, in my opinion, the best sci-fi movie of all time, mm -hmm. easily, is Blade Runner. Um, uh, really? And, oh, yeah, just absolutely stunning mm -hmm. motion picture, which is takes on two incarnations when the, the money people didn't like it, so they forced Ridley Scott to put narration. They right. took it from a five-star movie to a three-star movie overnight <laughs> with Harrison Ford's droll, you know, yeah. you know just a... That's okay. He was a. We found out he's something else anyway. So sure. maybe that's how they spoke. Mm -hmm. But uh, Rutger Hauer in that movie is a menacing. I'll call him a bad guy. Whatever yeah. it was, misunderstood. But he's fans. We could go on and on as to terms of villains. But uh, Kaiser Sose to me is the ultimate villain. Yeah, <laughs> unusual suspects. Yeah. That's right. He's because he's a myth. He and is. a legend, and yeah. he's the devil, and is and even Interpol. We've only heard him. He doesn't really exist. They go, oh yeah, yeah he exists. Yeah. So Kaiser, I just have to say. And it was before Spacey really got big. That was one of his yeah. earlier roles, yeah. In fact, if you look back, there are other roles. Um, Nick Nolte in a movie called Q&A mm -hmm. is, is a bad cop, is fantastic. What year did that come out? I'm know. guessing late 80s. Okay, yeah, I didn't uh, see that. He's a bigger-than-life, dirty cop who's mm -hmm. scarier than scary. Uh, another one is um, called Internal Affairs, where Richard mm -hmm. Gere, mm -hmm. who has the ability to make a good movie yeah. and, and ruin a movie, in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> he makes, he's a, Dirty cop, and mm -hmm. he's fantastic in it. Yes, and so he's bigger than life. Um, who else? What other villains might you think of? Like certain. Well, there were the classic. Cruella de Vil and Hundred One Dalmatians. Of course, yeah. a lot of people said Darth Vader. That's an obvious one. Um, Norman Bates could have been on there. Um, I had guys from because I love I. My era is the '80s, so um, the kid from Karate Kid, Johnny, and the Evil Sensei, you know, things like that. Those, those always, yes, wax on, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a. Say, so we're just talking '80s with the patient you saw with the Jonathan. Yeah, we were talking about uh, because he's he's doing his college applications just now. Mm -hmm. Patient mine, and I said. He go and I said, oh, and I started talking about. Have you seen Risky Business? Because it's, <laughs> it's about a college. And like yeah. it, it turns out that okay, now because of all that's going on, the recruiter comes. 
I know you're not going to hire me. He goes, yeah. as a matter of fact, I look at it differently. I'm, yes, I think you're just what Harvard needs. Yeah. An entrepreneur like this. That's a real good movie. He probably business. wouldn't have gotten in if he hadn't dealt with all the trials and tribulations of that one night. So. 80s had a tremendous amount of good movies, including, yeah. I think, the most underrated director-writer of all time. That's John Hughes. Uh, John Hughes. Yeah. Magnificent. He captured the essence and spirit with his touching good trains, planes, automobiles, with his... We could go on and on. Yeah. With the, the, the scene in that movie with Steve Martin and John Candy. Oh, brilliant. Steve Martin became brilliant as, as a comic when he decided to be the straight man that people played off of. Yeah. Because he's Ben Stiller type now. Yeah. Brilliant at that. Mm -hmm. Andy Griffith was the guy with the, the seminal TV show was the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. It's considered like the sitcom that things were built upon. Mm -hmm. And Andy Griffith was no time for Sergeant uh, Danny Thomas and Sheldon Leonard got him and said, we're yeah. going to make this series. And after their film, he goes, something's not right. And he yeah. came to those two. It was an interview with Andy Griffith. He came to those guys, if you know the story. And yeah. he goes, they go, what do you think? He goes, I, goes, I don't think I should be the funny man in the street. I should, no. what should, be? I should be the straight man. Right. That's that why Don Knotts was so great. And, and that's yeah. what he hired. He goes, I'm yeah. just the guy to be. Yeah. And then the show exploded from yeah. there. So some people recognize that. And I think, I think 80s movies, of course, uh, 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 absolute seminal movie, uh, because it was taken from a teeny sex movie, taken not from the male get laid perspective, right. from the female perspective, mm -hmm. was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Sure. Cameron Crowe's first effort. Yeah. And the, he that, wrote the he wrote the novel. It, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and Amy Heckerling directed was, it. Was and they hired yeah. her because they wanted a female's perspective. And yeah. It was a brilliant motion picture. It is absolutely it still a holds classic up today. Yeah. 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 It was funny. The early '80s kind of had the the raunchy sex comedies and uh, Porky's, Porky's, and uh, losing it and movies like that. About but guys then, losing their virginity. Yeah. But then it transitioned to John Hughes, where it was more mature. You had The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and, and things like that, and those it, are all great. And The Breakfast Club, certainly when we look on it with a little more jaded eyes now, it was contrived and sure. it was silly, but it was also very good. Yeah. You know, it had that had that component with you like the characters yeah. and the whole thing. It was very, very good. And a good movie is a good movie, though, if the story holds up. Sixteen. Uh, to me, uh, two of those, Weird Science and oh, six, yeah. Sixteen Candles, fantastic motion pictures. Yeah, they're brilliant. <laughs> they're so much and, fun. And if you look at the actors that were in those, those then, yeah. they were fantastic. Fantastic actors. They were great. Yeah. They were absolutely great. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to another director, near, near and dear to my heart, Hitchcock. So what are your favorite Hitchcock movies? Um, you mentioned Psycho before. Yeah, so. Psycho for sure. Yeah. I just think that's... It, it, it's I, I just watched it a few months ago, and it's a long one, like three plus, yeah. almost four. And it, you never lose interest in mm -hmm. it. It's a really good motion picture. Yeah. Um, Rear Window is a brilliant directorial job because it's basically 90-something percent in one room. Absolutely. You have to be good at that. Like, they... they Colin Farrell had a movie where he was in a phone booth. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that's also phone booth. yeah. That's that's yeah. also was a good job. Yeah, because you have one setting, and so the dialogue and the, the intensity has to carry it. it. Keeps you engaged. And Rear Window, yeah, Jeremy yeah. Store. So yeah. you know, and he was the photographer with the broken leg yep. and then legs. Remember? Absolutely. Yeah. And Raymond Burr, he was as, the villain. Uh, uh, what's his name? Perry Mason as the yeah. villain. Um, real good motion picture. Topaz was terrific. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, North by Northwest was not a great movie, but very entertaining sure. movie. Cary Grant's uh, great and everything. Yeah, and of course the Burrs local, yep. the local scene up here. Uh, but for me, it's gonna, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be Psycho. How about well, you? The thing about, I'll get into it. the thing about Hitchcock is he hated filming on location. He mm. also loved filming in the Bay Area. I have a book just on all the, the locations, like Vertigo and, and things like that. Shadow of a Doubt. Um, Vertigo was Jimmy Stewart also. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Was so, that the one with Doris Day? No, Vertigo is with. Um, that's not que sera, sera. No. Oh God, what's her name? It's a, it's a blonde, as it, as it always is. Yeah, well, Hitchcock did have a Kim set. Novak. Kim, Kim Novak. Novak. Kim Novak, yeah. Yeah. Which was the Hitchcock movie when, when Mrs. Hitchcock comes up to Scarlett Johansson, the character, and said, by the way, 
thank you. You were very um, professional. Yeah. She goes, and that will not go unnoticed. <laughs> right. I thought that was a great scene. Well, you hear about uh, what Tippi Hendren's been saying about Hitchcock, so I mean, who knows? I hope you bookmark where you're at. I'm sorry I interrupted. You were no. talking about Hitchcock movies. Yeah. You are talking about your favorite. You are going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, you could talk. So, I, I, Psycho, just because I, I, it's the first one I saw. It was the first one my dad told me about. It's a creeper. Yeah, he saw that in the theater. He, he remembers. You, you know, kill off the main character yeah. in the first 33 well, minutes. The great part about that is Hitchcock made sure that if you entered the theater, doors were locked once the movie started. Because he didn't want you to miss any of that. Because it really is two different movies. You know, the, the intro with uh, Janet Lee is completely different than where it goes. Um, brilliant. She was an embezzling little embezzler. That's right. But you forget <laughs> about that because of the shower scene and things like that. Uh, the Birds is a close second. And I don't know if you know this, but the original ending, um, the, the ending that everyone saw was the birds are very calm. They drive away. It was supposed to be that same thing. They drive away, except they keeps going. And you start to think, okay, they're going to make it back to the city from Bodega Bay. They'll be great. Well, you start it's the to end see, of the world, I tell you. Yeah, so you see it over the horizon. Um, the Golden Gate Bridge started to co- starts to come into view, and the entire bridge is filled with birds. Why did he edit that out? They, they never actually filmed it. It was a storyboard, and they were going to film it. It was too much money. So, so that seems like such a nowadays theme, meaning yeah. since that point, yeah. of, of the end, or is it? Right. Right, that and whole I, thing. You know? And that's great. I love stuff like that. So, but No, I, I liked the birds, too. Yeah. You know, that was... Yeah, it was uh, but I also enjoy his his earlier stuff. So like the, his British films, you know, like The Lady Vanishes, and and I don't know if you've you've seen those, but they're definitely worth checking out. Um, they're they're different and they're very of the time because it was you know getting into World War II and he was in the UK. Um, so you no, know, those are very you know a lot of espionage. Did you like Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins? I did. I yeah. enjoyed it. I, I, well, Anthony Hopkins talking about villains. Um, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, and that's as great as it gets. So, but Clarice. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what is it? I love the thing. He goes, "What is that we covet most?" Yeah. What, what Doctor Lecter? That which we see every day. I just, uh, I don't know who directed uh, Hannibal. That was a famous director, though. Or uh, uh, Sounds of the Lambs. Was it Jonathan Demme? No, I, I'd have to look. A absolutely. That could be in the horror genre. Oh, yeah. Absolutely great movie. I mean, absolutely great. So it was interesting. <laughs> on that episode, people picked Hannibal, but they also picked Buffalo Bill because he's really the worst villain of them all. As as bad as Hannibal is, you need him and you like him compared to the other guy. So. And I think you know, there's there's the there's a two style of villains. There's the, or at least there's the there's the Clint Eastwood style, which is white hat, black hat, and that's it. Yeah. And that works real well. Sure. Unforgiven is one of the great motion pictures of all time. Absolutely. And that's it. And then there's the other one where you kind of see the side of the Hannibal side. Yeah. He's on your side a little bit too. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's a, uh, that's a a that works also. He lets you in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Unforgiven, Gene Hackman, one of the greatest actors there is, he's a villain in a lot of things. A likable villain. He is. A little Bill. Yeah. With the bad carpenter and the whole thing, yep. misfire. The great <laughs> scene, get him, boys. Yeah. Uh, Gene Hackman is—I've never seen a Gene Hackman thing. Whether he's the pathos role in the firm yeah. with Tom Cruise and that—that he's a villain there the, too. Is it Grisham? Yeah, uh, and or whether he's uh, Popeye Doyle. Would you win the Academy? I saw, yeah. that, I saw that in the theater. There's an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, no matter what he's done, he's done a, an incredibly good job yeah. with everything he's done. In fact, he's been underrepresented in movies because yeah. he's so good. Did you see Absolute Power? Where he plays yes, the, the yes. congressman that absolutely. gets Absolutely, That's absolutely, great. yeah. And when he goes down, well, he's a politician, so they, yeah. should, they all should go <laughs> That's down right. anyway. you, yeah. you actually feel good for the bank robber, which is Clint Eastwood. So. Yeah, he Where was he also, at? he was, wasn't he, wasn't he, 
in that Runaway uh, Jury played the villain. Like yeah, well, he 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 played the jury selector. Yes, which is a villain of sorts. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, what was the movie? No Way Out. Oh yeah, that's or was it One Way Out? No, it's No Way Out, yeah. and that's a remake of The Big Clock with Raymond Land. Okay, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, Kevin Costner. That's a, a, I'm not a Costner fan. I think he's a wooden really? actor. Yeah, mm. but he got better as time went along. Mm-hmm. But back then he was a wooden actor. Yeah, I thought. But that was a pretty good movie. That was one of his. Was it Hackman roles. in that? Was Hackman, he the, the senator that was? Exactly involved with, in the with Sean Young. Yeah, yeah, right. Sean Young, another person who's had a great career and imploded her own career. Uh huh. Because it was not easy to work with. Yes. <laughs> right. It's like stop being such a bee and just and just enjoy your life. <laughs> exactly. Get along with people. But that's what she's known for now. Uh, well, yeah. Peter Sellers did that, and he didn't do as many movies as he could have. No. Or Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Kind of the same. I didn't know that about Faye Dunaway. She, God, she was so pretty. She kind of turned into the Joan Crawford character in Mommy Dearest. Oh, really? Because Faye Dunaway in Three Days of the Condor. Oh, very sexy. Bonnie and Clyde. And I, there's a great scene in there when Robert Redford. That's a great motion pic. Not good. Great yeah. motion. Uh, Three Days of the Condor. And yeah. There's a scene there when he has her. He's had her handcuffed because mm-hmm. he's she's kind of a hostage, semi hostage, yeah. you know, willing. And all, all of a sudden, when later on he goes, "How come you haven't asked me to take off the handcuffs?" Yeah. She went. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a great movie. Uh, Max von Sydow, and that's one that that's one that people don't remember or, or think about. But that my dad used to praise. He praises that one. That's and a good one. It came out the, uh, not not a dissimilar time to the Boys from Brazil. Mm-hmm. There were so, several intriguing movies along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pa- painting U.S. covert operations and not necessarily the best light. Did you see Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, sh- yeah. Southern Theater. Yeah, that's yeah. another great one. Uh, Michael J. Pollard. Um, I think it was his name. Uh, played the sidekick. Um, yeah. Gene Ackman's in that too, yeah, and Gene Wilder he has a small role. They, say, pick, did him, not they know. pick him up. Yeah, that uh, you know, part of one of the best Richard Pryor and him, one of the best comedy duos of all time. Oh, and Blazing Saddles, and uh, which couldn't be made today. Well, Just, Blazing yeah. Saddles, of course, you know the story behind why they wouldn't hire Richard Pryor. That was a movie that was a vehicle that was made for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he but, wrote on. He yes, wrote he did. And, and so, but they came to Mel Brooks and said he's too much of a wild card with his cocaine. We can't do it. That's right. So Cleveland Little did a bang up job, but yeah. that was a that vehicle written for absolutely the brilliant Richard Pryor, yeah. and that really came to be and was uh, Mel Brooks where it made Blazing Saddles yeah. and Young Frankenstein in the same year. I, amazing. Have a year. Yeah, <laughs> have a career. Have, have, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That's like you know. That's like a. You know, Buster Posey winning like World Key of the Year, MVP in World Series. You can retire now. Yeah, he's like Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant for the Cubs. Same thing. He's the new Buster Posey. Yeah, for the Cubs. which is cool. Um, okay, we're going to go to favorite soundtracks. This is a tough one because this, uh, for me, we talked touched on it. Yeah. Sound, soundtracks for me can be, um, like I saw the movie Woodstock in the theater. Yeah. And that's just was a seminal point in history and it was a great. Now, I'll, I'll call that a soundtrack, even Absolutely. though it is the movie. Yeah. And that's got to be the ultimate of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good nobody's mentioned that yeah Santana uh, Michael Shreve and his drum solo there's some things that were built along those lines there's a famous story that people didn't attend like Ricky Nelson who wrote Garden Party is where they came and said we want you to play your old hits he goes I don't want to do that because he was to end of his career with the rockabilly and the whole thing, he was a huge star. Yeah, Led Zeppelin was supposed to be there. They turned it down. Did not they didn't know think that. it was going to going to go anywhere. Out. That's right. Um, the well, who, it made Jimi Hendrix. He was around, but that kind of put him over. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the from the Monterey pop to that, yes. Hendrix was was a, a world class. Yeah. Cap, which he was anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm gonna say Woodstock. A uh, Scorsese was on that movie. He, yeah, he was a filmer and a film editor on that. Mm-hmm. So that was I think his foy into like uh, he made a movie with. The, the band and Rolling Stones. Yeah, the uh, Last Waltz. Yes, yeah. and so and so uh, he, he's obviously and his sound his soundtracks are magnificent. Always. Also, yeah, yeah. So so for me, 
other than that, like uh, uh, when it comes to music, Days to Confuse, like that, my yeah. era, because that was actually how I grew up. It was graduation night, nineteen seventy-five. That's yeah. that was that's me. your era. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And so hanging out, drinking, and great and movie. The whole, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Did you ever get the extended um, Woodstock where they have everything, like no. where they have like they include Credence and they include Mountain and all no. the all the one, all the stuff they cut out, wow. which they shouldn't have cut. I out. Janis Joplin, they cut out Janis Joplin. I didn't know Credence and you we're know, even there. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know Mountain was cut out. Yeah, Can't Heat, like, Felix Popolardi, yeah. and you know Leslie West, amazing. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, Leslie West is one of the most underrated guitarist out there. He, that was Pete Townsend's favorite guitar player. Yeah. Well, I look at, I was watching Ozzy Osbourne on a TV mm -hmm. show and he had his top favorite bands of all time. Mountain was on his top list. They and of course, it. he's like everyone else. They, they go, well, there's the Beatles and everyone else. That's yeah. just it. Sure. You know, everyone want, even Lemmy yeah. from uh, Motorhead yeah, absolutely. said, I, he goes, you know, still there's the Beatles and everyone wanted to be Beatles. They it's changed the everything. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. So, um, even though I'm more of a Stones fan than the Beatles. No, yeah, I, you know, yeah. well then I can say this, it's those two and everyone yeah. else. Yeah. 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 For me, it was Beatles, but that, they're, they're their progression is so, their arc is so similar. Yeah. You know, the Beatles were the, Beatles were the Liverpudlian bad guys in leather jackets that they dressed up for America. They needed to bring it to America. Right. And then Stone said, we're, you know, we're the educated London University economic students, right. but we're going to play, play the that role. You play yeah. that role. Mm -hmm. And so they just did this all their careers and it worked out beautifully Absolutely. for both of them, you know. Yeah. By the way, I mean, we're, now we're going to date ourselves, but uh, Stones have a new blues album coming out in two weeks where they just do all the old blues covers. And wow. So I, good. I just heard yesterday on the radio on Sirius 1964, mm -hmm. their famous Jimmy Reed blues song. Um, oh, got it. Uh, Little Red Rooster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, 64. It was yeah. just so country howling bluesy. Yeah. Well, just... their first couple albums until they basically got to Out of Our Heads. It was all just Chuck Berry and, and a lot of the old blues stuff. Well, you know, the you, you, all the early rock and rolls, including those, including, including Carl Perkins. It's all covers. Yeah, yeah well, and it was, it was, Carl Perkins was Elvis. They just, and, and, and Little Richard was Elvis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but well, Jerry Lee, Yeah, exactly. Jerry Lee Lewis should have been bigger than Elvis. He basically killed his own career. So. He was just such a, he did his own thing. He was such an odd guy. Yeah. But those guys emulated all those, uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf. And, oh, and, Chuck uh, Berry. Yeah. Chuck Berry, all those guys, they emulated him. Yeah. And I, I can see Little Richard with being a little, you know, being a little bitter with something to point out. That, that was me. Well, Pat Boone's taking his songs and Tootin really sugar with, yeah. with his white shoe. Remember yeah. the tavern going tutti frutti? Yeah. I'm like, like, come, come on, on. Yeah, it's awful. And, 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 and good golly, Miss Molly, I yeah. saw Tom Jones Sing now. Tom Jones was a great artist. He is, but Tom Jones is, yeah. Tom Jones, uh, uh, he used to have a TV show for a summer called the Tom Jones mm -hmm. Show, and he had a guitarist named Tony. I forget what was that, but mm -hmm. he was just fantastic. Yeah, and and Tom Jones did a Good Golly Miss Molly, and there's a TV, and he goes, "You sure, uh, you sure like to throw that ball?" My God, yeah. that's not it. Yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> that's it, not the same. Not the same. <laughs> so uh, soundtrack. Go back to yeah. Uh, then then there's the the mood. All good movies, mm -hmm. if you watch it, that have a soundtrack right nowadays, all have good soundtracks. Yeah. Because they contribute to the movie and the ambience of what you're trying to feel. Yeah. Um, they probably have done studies in film classes where they take an ominous scene and put different music to it. It's just, it's just incongruent. Yeah. It's just because our senses are not co-mingling at that point in, mm -hmm. the right, in the right direction, right? So, once again, John Carpenter's The Thing, man, yeah. fantastic. Here's what I'm going to point out, which has a great soundtrack to it. Mm -hmm. Cool Hand Luke. Go Good revisit. Point. Yeah. Go revisit that movie with yeah. the with the guitar. Yeah. And, and, the, and it's it's just beautiful. Yeah. And that's that's just a great 
Movie. I thought you were going to say Deliverance, you know? <laughs> that is. That, that's also... This is the guitar. Yeah. That's an underrated movie until you t- mention it to guys. You go, oh, I lo- everyone... That's a great motion it picture. It is. Eerie, ominous, and what sure. have you. And it's certainly the soundtrack of that. Yeah. I suppose you could pull like any of songs that were nominated for things. You sure. could probably... You know, raindrops keep falling on my head. Oh, yeah, you know, the, uh, B.J. Thomas and yeah. all, that was Burt Backrack and yeah. all that that era when he owned the world. The Sting, the the uh, Scott Joplin. Uh, another, um, I thought about that the other day. I go because we were talking about having a movie night. We had to have movie nights at my house, and we yeah. just do that. Our last one we watched, I think, was what did we watch? We watched Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. It was <laughs> my choice. Yeah. Oh, just fantastic. John Carter does yeah. a great motion. All guys like that. Yeah. I don't know females as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but guys love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but so, but um, we. I don't know. Soundtracks are such an integral part nowadays. Yeah, and they actually, when you go to watch the THX surrounds, they overdo it. It's just they so do. loud. It's too, much. it's just too much. Yeah, and you have to create the. Uh, that's why I like like uh, Ridley Scott Gladiator. Yeah. That oh, that woman's uh, that yeah. haunting, beautiful voice in in the Latin language. I don't know what it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, it contributes exactly to the ambiance of the motion picture. Well, my favorite, and it's on the other, on the episode is Rocky, and it's all the Rockies, um, especially the first one. The, the fight scene, though, uh, the training scene, though, it seems cliche now. The gun, the the horns are gonna fly now. I mean, that, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, and and the Rocky fight was scene, campy yeah. and overdone and fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. But fantastic. at the time, it was groundbreaking. Nobody did a, a fight movie like that, and now it seems cliche. But everyone copied that format. They even did a commercial like five or six years ago for some product, and it was not Toto. Mm-hmm. Who did Eye of the Tiger? Uh, Survivor. Survivor. Yeah. And it was Survivor. Yeah. And they were doing, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And it was like, you know, they were like mocking because like it was like an office setting. And they go, what about Ned? Ned, Ned, Ned. Yeah. It was really, it was a good it's job. It's iconic. Well, yeah. originally Stallone wanted to use Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Queen didn't give him the rights. So he settled for Eye the Tiger. Well, Survivor wasn't well known, but it ended up being perfect. You know, the intro leading to the drums. The drums sound like punches. I mean, it's perfect. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And, the, Rock, yeah. the Rocky series. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite stories in Hollywood history, when people says, hey, the you. Hey, you know, I don't tell them where them things. You know. yeah. So Stone, Stone comes across that way. <laughs> he's, he's a brilliant guy. He wrote the he, he, he watched yeah. the Thriller in Manila. Yeah. He yeah. came home and wrote Rocky. Yeah. Shopped it for a year. Yeah. And he was a struggling artist. Did yeah. some light porn. He, he couldn't, wasn't making money. No. Until they kept saying, well, we'll buy it. We'll have Paul. No, he yeah. goes, no. He goes, you don't, I'm Rocky. You don't yeah. get it. I'm Rocky. Yeah. And he stuck by his guns. Yeah. And that's just it. I, well, I, I Chuck, respect him for that. Chuck Webner was the guy that actually knocked down Ali. He was this unknown fighter. He got a shot. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he ended up losing the fight, but he, he knocked down Ali. You can always say he knocked down Ali. But the original ending was supposed to be kind of gritty and dark, like the 70s, where Rocky gets t- tangled up with the, the loan sharks again, and he throws the fight. Um, and But they changed it, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, the whole, everyone's glad they did. Yeah. Because he has that solemn... The original has so much pathos in that oh. he couldn't even he couldn't even break people's legs. He's no. just a kind of a guy. Exactly. You know, um, even the natural. Did you ever see the natural with Robert Redford? Sure. Yeah. He in the novel in the original novel he strikes out on purpose. He he goes with the the gamblers and he strikes out. But that movie it, it just my dad hated the book because he he saw the movie first and he's like ah oh, this is this is terrible. The magic of the movie, even though it is campy and he knocks out the lights and it would never happen, it doesn't matter. That that sticks with you. That's yeah, can't can't be works when it works. You know, so you, one of the things you're not going to ask mm-hmm. is greatest sports movies or baseball yeah. movies. And we I we can I, get into that. Yeah, and I, I think most of them are bad. I honestly do. Really, I, I see a guy like a Kevin Costner who mm-hmm. thinks he's an athlete because he, <laughs> he swung a baseball bat and he played in a golf movie. Mm-hmm. I 
I just kind of, I don't know. Okay. And then you see a guy like uh, um, Charlie Sheen trying to throw a fastball. Mm -hmm. No, they're entertaining. Mm -hmm. But to me, unless I got it wrong and I'm thinking wrong, the best sports movie I've ever seen is The Sandlot. Fantastic motion oh, picture. I, I, I that and like, and that's just a. I've, I've seen it so many times, yeah. and that's a great motion picture. And that's kind of a kids movie, but not really. Sure. And so I, I get disappointed in sports movies mm -hmm. because I see guys go, "You're not really." Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree about Costner because if, if you've ever seen For the Love of the Game, yeah, he threw as many pitches as a normal pitcher would. Okay. And uh, and what makes that is Vin Scully. So Vin Scully is the brilliant announcer that just retired for the Dodgers. Did you hear his phone call from uh, Obama or from uh, Obama's office? Yeah. It was yeah, Kind of cool. Presidential, yeah, yeah. Award, he but. was in Scully. <laughs> well, if you I, listen to his his farewell speech at Dodger Stadium, it's brilliant. The guy's ninety years old, and nobody is like him, and that's why he's the best. Yeah. No, I mean we, we're we're fortunate in the Bay Area to yeah. have who we have. Yeah, I mean, those, John Miller. The, those guys, John Miller. We have the Kruger guy. Yeah. They're they're great. The Warriors broadcast yeah, are great. I, I date back to Lon Simmons and on yeah, and on Bill and Big King. Bill King didn't win an award, but he's the most underrated guy. He was brilliant. He could do anything. And uh, so we've been fortunate to have some of those guys. Absolutely. I'm still not, you're going to disagree with me, yeah. but your dad would disagree. Yeah. I'm not a Joe Buck hater. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems to hate the national group. <laughs> I go, yeah. I don't listen to them enough for them to wreck my broadcast. Right. I'm watching what I'm watching here. Yeah. You know, just because they're not a homer. Doesn't mean they're anti. They're not Mitch Williams, who is anti. Yeah, you know, but they're like I don't really dislike those guys. You know, I, you know, I I think part of it is everyone loved his dad. Jack Buck was classic, and he was class, and he was a lot like Vince Scully. Um, Joe rubs people the wrong way for some reason. I do like that Smoltz is doing the Smoltz. Uh, yeah, he's great. So <laughs> Across the board, everyone thinks he's he oh, is fantastic. Yeah, he's a breath of fresh air with yeah. his insights into yeah. what's going on. But Buck does come across yeah. a little bit of a. He's arrogant. Uh, yeah, an arrogant, yeah. elitist kind of, I'm pretty and I yeah. got this going on. It that's does come across Yeah, that I think that's a big, because when I was watching the series in the 80s, it would, they would rotate between Al Michaels, brilliant, and uh, Vince Scully. And, you know, so that's, it's, how are you supposed to top that? Did you ever hear Al, Michael, Al Michaels' story when he's with, the, in the limo with Howard Cosell? No. Driving through San Francisco. He tells Howard Cosell and he imitates Cosell because mm -hmm. they did everything together. Yeah. And I, I'm not even going to bother to paraphrase the story <laughs> uh -huh. because, reenact it because, he t because we're driving in a limo, we're going somewhere, having drinks, and he's having drinks, and he's smoking a cigar. And as we're driving through the limo, there's a fight breaks out in, in Brooklyn, in, in a street corner. Uh -huh. And so Cosell goes, driver, stop the car. He's like, oh, crap. He's like, I'm trying to duck in here. <laughs> and he gets out, and there's a brawl going on. And as they see Howard Cosell walk up, he goes, everyone stops. Because he was famous back then. Absolutely, yeah. And they stop. He goes, there's a group of like 20 guys, and two guys are going at it. Men. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, he goes, gentlemen, please. He goes, everyone stopped, and I'm kind of watching this from the window. And he goes, he goes, as you can see, the protagonist pugilist <laughs> is much greater size than you. And he went into this whole pontification. Of what, yeah. It goes to the point where now, gentlemen, I think you should end this fiasco. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, and it stopped the fight. Everyone kind of laughed. He goes, everyone said goodbye. He got back in the limo and says, Try it now, take his I'm going, holy Toledo. <laughs> if, if you ever get a chance to Google it, it's one of those great stories. Great stories that actually happened. Yeah. Just like there's a few other great stories in sports history. You doing okay? No, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of them is um, who's the little guy, the NBC guy? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Marv Albert? No. Uh, uh, he's a famous announcer. I can't. I see his face and hear his voice okay. right now. What, uh, what did he do? He does baseball. He does. He does he's more oh, Bob Costas. Bob Costas. Yes, so Bob Costas <laughs> tells the story yeah. of the Kirk Gibson home, home run. Oh, yeah, up. of course. Have you heard that? Of course, yeah. It's a fantastic. Of like, he goes, when he goes, and he goes, the, the Dodger batting coach, yeah. famous name, goes to Tom and the story. He goes, what do you think after? Uh, he's like, he goes, 
He thinks he has one good swing in yeah. him. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. And he did. And that's a fantastic story. If that story. was a movie, you would say it's hokey. Right. But that's why the truth is actually stranger it's, than fiction. Tra- truth could, is stranger than fiction. He could barely walk and... The Gimp, they called him. Yeah, he did. And it was amazing. And I'll never forget, you'll see when the ball goes into the stands, you see the brake lights from all the cars that are probably listening to the game as it's happening. They want to come back and experience it. Classic. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, that's one of the Ultimate World Series moments. Another great story is uh, Bill Walsh's son, mm-hmm. who I, I've met several times because he belongs to the same club I belong okay. to. And, and he was on the local talk show after he wrote his book about his dad, mm-hmm. telling the story of the famous sports story of when the Niners, who were the preeminent powers, they were playing Sam Weish's, who was my next-door neighbor for a time, oh, so no I know way. Sam Walsh, uh-huh, Sam Weish, yeah. and took over the Bengals. And the Bengals were a good team. Yeah. And they were playing in a regular season game. So everyone was jacked for this game. We're playing the Niners. The Bengals are good. Mm-hmm. They beat us already in one Super Bowl. Yeah. And so so they, they they came to the stadium. He goes, and I was in the stadium. I was with the other owners and what had their son. And we were, he goes, and the stadium was buzzing for 59 minutes and 50 seconds, stomping a vibration though, because they were beating the Niners. And it's yeah. the famous Sam Weiss decision where Sam Weiss decided on fourth and whatever it was, mm-hmm. We had like 11 sec- nine seconds, 10 seconds left in the game. He didn't want to give the ball back to Joe Montana with right. any time on the clock. So he still tells his punter, run around yeah. and just run the clock out. He does that and gets tackled with one second left. Yeah. He goes, at that moment, I didn't know what was happening. I was walking through the stadium. I couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, the buzz went. I remember the this game. The complete yeah. stadium died. Yeah. I knew something was. I thought, what? I've never felt yeah. a buzz stop, and I knew something was happening. Yeah. The, the crowd just went, oh, crap. Yep. Everyone, 65,000 in unison. Yeah. And so what happened was then, he's telling the story, then the Niners have one play left. Yep. They do a trips left and Jerry Rice right. Rice, Hits touchdown, it, yeah. game over. And mm-hmm. Rice got a firestorm of crap from the media, which yeah. he should have. Yeah. That was in the same era when he said, this is not Cleveland, for God's sake. Yeah. Remember that story? Yeah. So Sam Weiss, he goes, but here's the real story behind the story. He goes, earlier in the week, when we come out from film, they come out from film, my dad built the great... Literally great, mm-hmm. infamous great. Bill Walsh says, "We better develop a play. What kind of play? In case we have one, one play, play left yeah. to win the game." And they developed that play. Yeah. And as they practiced that week, and it came time. That's one of those stories. You're like, wow. Yeah. I remember Stranger listening to that, that came on the radio, and I don't know if it was Lon Simmons or not, but he was like incredulous. Like, how? What are they doing? <laughs> what you are know, they the, doing? Yeah. And well, you know, there's a lesser version of that is the Rose Bowl with Vince Young and yeah. that line. Oh yeah, yeah. West, where, when they didn't want to give the ball to Vince Young, who was right. It's the best football game I believe ever played by a human being. Yeah, I remember. Game. Yeah, and uh, ESC going for the third straight national championship, mm-hmm. and the, the, it wasn't the call on fourth and two. Pete Perry goes for it. Everyone knows he goes for it. Sure. That, everyone gets it. It's the fact that Reggie Bush was on the sideline. That's right. Every defensive line, they they interview him. Now they go they a famous thirty, not thirty for thirty, but a famous ESPN. Yeah. They go, we we're all nervous. We know that we we got to get the ball back to Vince. He's going to win the game. Yeah. That's it. And our team, our offense. He goes, we don't. We're all nervous. We look in the backfield and we see Lindell White. Yeah. And we look in the sideline. We all see Reggie Bush. Yeah. We all went. We know Come where on. it's going. We know what's happening. They stuff the play. Yeah. Pete Carroll. That's one of your two big blunders in life. Not handing it to Marshawn yeah. Lynch. There's no excuse in the history of mankind. Yeah. For so he so he lost the two biggest games. I believe as a coach. Yeah. He lost the Rose Bowl. At least we, okay. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. You don't know either one of those. That, but Marshawn Lynch would have scored. He had three times the score. He was a Best running back in That's right. football. Probably still is. He's not playing right now. Um, well, and it's so like, it's like the 49ers against the Ravens. They had a chance to get Kaepernick could have run. For, yeah. Why he, didn't he forces it in over there and that's not gonna happen? It's actually Kaepernick's fault. He should have he 
they had to call timeout because he didn't get the play in on time. He was going to score on that that sneak, but it didn't happen. Yeah, so there are things you look back on and you go, well, you make a decision. That's you go, right. And like, you know, what you never want, I coach football. What you never want to do is make your coaching mistakes because your you, your whole plan is always to put your your boys in the best position to win. To win. Yep. That's what you do. And when you make them, I've done it. I made me I go. I felt horrible. Sure. Worse if I dropped a fly ball. Yeah. Because that was it. Happened. That's a physical error. Yeah. Like that. And so I, I don't know what Pete Carroll works, talked about. There's where it's it works both ways. There are times when. You actually call the wrong play, but the player makes up for it, so it doesn't matter. But then you call the right play, and, and maybe they don't do it for us. So. Yeah, coaching from that, from a play-by-play standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, day-to-day standpoint, is overrated from a standpoint because they still have to execute. Absolutely. They have to execute. Yeah. You can was, be the greatest coach. If you don't know the players, it's not going to work. When so. I was studying about youth football to coach it, a great youth football, I'm reading his book, and, and he's talking about how in a championship game in youth football, he drew up the play to win the game. And yeah. he goes, and we won the game. And I'm, I'm, I'm a brilliant. I'm a genius. He goes, and we went back over the film. Let's look at the play. Yeah. It was a so-and-so pitch dive. Blah, blah. He goes, he goes, he goes, the guy who was supposed to block our guy fell down. Yeah. <laughs> and then this guy went that way. He goes, everything went wrong. Right. The guy happened to like, he goes, so I'm a genius out. because it just hand out and That's just worked right. out. <laughs> okay, so back to movies. I love sports. We could talk sports nonstop, yeah. too. So sports movies are... Yeah, usually disappointing to me. Okay, because I just don't feel the. I have never really felt the connection. What about there. the longest yard? Great. Yeah, yeah. Burt Reynolds. Version. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. I didn't see the other one. I yeah. refused, but the, yeah. that was a just great mode. That's when Burt Reynolds ruled the world and deserved well, the rule. There's a real. He actually played college ball. So yeah, that, he played uh, Florida State, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a running back. Yeah, and so he was a. Uh, and that was a that was a great motion. And they got a- real Eddie Arnold. NFL, yeah, they got real NFL like Ray Nitschke and and. Uh, I think it was a Joe Cap and yeah Eddie Albert, not Eddie Arnold. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah they had Nisky Cap. They had um, well a few other guys that were in the movie that were like just it was a great motion picture. Oh, it was. So we'll call that a sports movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bernadette Peters was in that. If you remember that. Well, you could even go to Mash with just the football scene with uh, Fred Williamson. We so. got our red flag. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Sally Kellerman. Yeah, that's such a great one. Yeah. Okay, what was your favorite gangster slash uh, mafia? Easily, your dad said I can't mention this one. I can't mention The Godfather. Well, but you can you can mention it and you can explain it, but you need another one besides that. You're a Stones gap. To me, The yeah. Godfather is the Beatles. It's there everywhere everyone else. It's Absolutely. just the absolute quintessential, mm-hmm. and I think it's the best motion picture ever made. So the first one or the second one? First one. Okay. Second one's maybe one of the few sequels, yeah. so to speak, that were brilliant. It was brilliant. Sure. And it's a great motion picture. But the first one um, was just great. So I'm going to, The Godfather, that. So if you take that out of it in, in the next realm, when I when I mentioned to some of my patients that I'm going to be doing this, you give yeah. me a list of a few questions. Yeah. They go, oh, everyone goes Goodfellas. Exactly. I, I, that I go, was my number one. Yeah. But not me. Yeah. I go, I liked it, but to me, Casino is a much better picture than Goodfellas. Is it my top ten? Even though I love Goodfellas. Yeah. I, Casino to me, the biopic of how Vegas was built, fantastic motion picture. So yeah. Casino's there, and so is Godfather Two. Which once you say Godfather One, Two's overlooked. It is, but it shouldn't be. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, you could also go Departed, on and on and on. Absolutely. Uh, real good motion pictures, but Godfather, and then for me, I'll say Casino. Mm-hmm. Sharon Stone, one of the most underrated actresses ever, and in that movie, I think she was just playing herself because she was a train wreck. Yeah. Sorry for listening. Yeah. You were a train wreck back then, <laughs> and you were a brilliant train wreck. Yeah. You know, and it was just a great. Motion there wasn't picture. method acting there. So it just <laughs> said, worked. What do I do? Just just go out there and do it. Thing. Yeah. What what a, what a luxury that I'm sure that didn't happen. But a luxury like when you have like you're filming Caddyshack. Yeah. And you're you're a. Oh yeah, Rodney. Uh, like, yeah, 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 and you have these people. You just yeah. go, just go do it. Or Animal yeah. House, just go do it. Yeah. You know, like, and then like you just keep it. You know, you're a director. You go, 
That's off the script. Keep it running. Yeah. Well, suppose <laughs> there's a... It's getting to my next one, but uh, one of my guilty pleasure movies is Dirty Work, which is this underrated comedy. It's it's a screwball comedy, but modern day. Dirty Work. With uh, Norm MacDonald and, and guys like that. And he's so, a MacDonald fan. Yeah, and so he there's a scene with Don Rickles, and they didn't even bother writing a script for Rickles, and Rickles, all he does is insult the people. And it's brilliant, because it's Rickles. Good actor, too. Good yeah, actor. he is. He's in Casino. So yes, yes, he is. And he's also in that submarine movie, um, Run Silent, Run Deep, yes. from years he's ago. He's also, I think, in Kelly's Heroes. Oh, so there's no. Yeah, Rickles, who's, the, you know, the king of mean, who I guess is one of the nicest guys in the world. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what yeah. They say. So he's, did you ever watch any of the gangster movies from the '30s and '40s? So like, yeah, but I, I like, like for instance, I won't call it a gangster movie; it's a mm-hmm. prison break. But I watched the one with um, uh, called the the the, the Desperate Hours. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. A really good motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Yeah. So I did see some of those. Not that many. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, you go like remember the um, I don't know who directed it. But it was with. Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, Capone. Yes. I didn't like that. Okay. It was too over the top for me, and I just, for some reason, when I decided I don't like a movie, I'm not going to follow too much. Sure. Uh, but I haven't seen too many of the of the real movies from those days. Okay. Now. Yeah. It's definitely worth checking out, like, maybe High Sierra. I've uh, seen High Sierra. Okay. Uh, no, no, I'm true. sorry. I'm sorry. I saw Treasure of Sierra Madre. Okay. Well, that's brilliant. <laughs> talk a, about, a, talk that, about a great ending. <laughs> that's a perfect ending. I love the John Houston director, yeah, and yeah. they're in the bar when they come up, they go, oh, and he goes, well, let me tell you about greed and how it changes people. They're like, oh, that won't happen to us. He's like, uh-huh. okay. Well, great, great motion picture. John Houston directing his dad. Oh. That's because... That's uh, right. That, that's yeah. right. He was one of the minors in Walter that. Houston. Walter yeah. Houston, yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a great motion picture. Yeah. And Talk that, about quotable. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> but, and there are several movies that are always quoted, and one is, of course, Caddyshack, yep. and the other one is um, Animal House, yep. you know. Fat, drunk, and stupid is nowhere to go in their life. Or my, when someone hits a bad shot, my advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Right. So there's, there's some of the guy quarter movies, and there's also... Zero you know, point zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero point. You have no great point ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, it's like, you know, of course, Clint Eastwood writes his own stuff into, like, uh, we all know the quotes, um, like, uh, jo- Josie Wales. Yeah. When the... Uh, when the, the famous uh, Native American Indian, his sidekick, yeah. I think it was not Chief Dan George, but one of those actor guys, mm-hmm. and they're riding along, and they're buddies. And Clint Eastwood says, uh, and I'm super paraphrasing, he goes, you know, maybe we should park company, because it seems to me that people I get to like and end up not sticking around very long. Yeah. And he goes, seems to me people you get to not like and don't stick right. around very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Like, yeah, all that stuff. So, and then at the end, remember when he goes, uh, they're in the bar, and the, the townspeople know him, but they're trying to protect him, they like him. Yeah. And Dean Vernon Warmer. Um, yeah, John. Um, God, John Vernon. John Vernon. Yeah, yeah. yeah Vernon. Yeah, he he comes and he's the he kind of set the thing in motion, but he wasn't really a bad guy. But he set it in motion the yeah. whole thing, and so he knows it's him. And then the bounty hunters come and they go. Uh, and the town says, "Oh, it's not him." He's, he goes. Then the bounty hunter comes back and he looks at Clint. He goes, "I had to come back." And he goes, "I know." And the boy, the, the kid goes, "Man's got to make a living." And you remember what he said? He goes. Dying ain't much of a living boy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's brilliant. <laughs> and, it's all, yeah. and, and one of my favorite lines of Eastwood is in uh, Unforgiven when mm-hmm. he finally, the kid who brags about all the guys he's killed, he's crying because he killed a guy. I've never done it. I'm not a yeah. killer like you, Will. And he goes, uh, he goes, hell of a thing killing a man. First, you take away everything he has, then everything he's going to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Eastwood, it was amazing. It's, it's for him, talk about not what you say, it's like just a look. I mean, look in Gran Torino. I mean, he was just doing grunts and look, and he's brilliant. It's just that, that's the type of actor he was. Yeah, I agree. But people complain that some of the Cambodian actors kind of weren't that good. Whatever. It's no, good I thought movie. it was great. Yeah, it, was I, a good, it was authentic. I, it was a good movie. Exactly. And you go back to, of course, his, his early 
quotes like you know from the Dirty Harry movies mm-hmm. were classics. You oh know? yeah, what's uh, this? Yeah. Hal Holbrook. Yeah. It's a five-point suppository. Yeah. Stick it up your ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I love oh. those are. I love all those dirty. I mean, we're going to do cop movies. We're going to do uh, oh. heist movies. We'll do things like that. Oh yeah, those so, are always good. Last one. This is the the episode that was just released today. So, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie? If you if you have one. Yeah, I don't know. Mine would probably be movies that like movies that are not considered guy, but like for, I'll, I'll think of some of the movies. I won't call them. I don't know. Okay. But like maybe some chick. "Quote unquote chick flicks, sure. um, movies that uh, your guys would give you shit about, or Notting Hill. I yeah. like Notting okay. Hill. Uh, Harry Met Sally. They wouldn't give me crack. Billy Crystal yeah. run the, was ruled the rule back then. There you go. Um, there are certain uh, movies that I thought, like in terms of endearment, the movies that are a little contrived and sad, but absolutely yeah. great motion pictures. Then there are movies like more of a mod. Also, okay, I'll say this: a great movie is called Off the Map. Mm, I never heard of it. And it, it's uh, Sam Elliott mm-hmm. and I and Joan Allen. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's a kind of coming age summer of this girl, and it's it's a famous actress. You know, I can't think of her name right now. And she's packing to go home, and she remembers as she's going to visit her parents in rural, off the map, New mm-hmm. Mexico. Sam Elliott, Joan Allen. She's remembering one summer from twenty five or thirty years ago. This quirky summer. It's a it's a I love it. It's a great motion picture. Yeah. Okay. Off the map. Another one. I have two Sim Elliott movies that are guilty pleasures. One, I'm sure you saw Lifeguard. Roadhouse, probably. Well, right. Roadhouse, without a doubt. That's on, I'll watch it. And Lifeguard. Yeah, I, I did see that also. Yeah. If, if Another movie, have you ever seen um, The Way, Way Back? No. Do you like Sam Rockwell? I do. Huge I do. Sam Rockwell okay. fan. Way, way and the Way, Way Back is a really good, he's a quirky, zany uh, manager owner of this aquatic park in in, in the Hamptons or back east. Okay. And it's this coming-of-age movie with this boy. Um Steve Carell's in it. Uh, I think Steve Carell might have wrote part of it. Mm. I'm a huge Carell fan, yeah. um, and um, and it's a real good mo. Sam Sam Rockwell's quirky and weird, and yeah. helps this boy kind of come through his stuff. Oh, cool! And that's a real good motion picture. I out. highly recommend that. Okay. Um, guilty pleasures. I don't know. Might be. Or movies uh, that were. How many heads yeah. in a duffel bag? Weird <laughs> movies like that. You yeah. Know, whatever. Those kind of things. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of too many more though. You know, okay. I, I I like if it's a good movie, um, The Book Thief. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be guilty pleasure, but I loved that motion yeah. picture. I love. I also love gentle tales of people that are not. They're not going to make a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. They don't have to bang me over the head with with uh, uh, Fast and Furious sixteen and yeah. and Taken sixteen. And yeah. <laughs> I just resent that with all my heart. I yeah. can't. I don't know why. I should investigate that interpersonally, but but uh, I like. People that are just going to tell you a story. Yeah. Here's a story. Uh, did you ever see Millions? No. Another good one. But you'll like that. Yeah. Millions of these two or two or three cute little boys or brothers and maybe a little sister. Uh-huh. They stand in Britain and they stumble across a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of them and how you know. Uh, and Millions is another one of those gentle stories. Yeah. That's just a story. Here we go. Like it or don't. Yeah. And I like people that have the courage to tell that. Sure. Uh, without having to entertain you. Like nowadays TV, I started out five years ago watching like The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And I ended up resenting shows like that and Modern Family. Oh, they're funny. Go, yeah, but I don't need to be banged over the head right. every 12 seconds with humor. I don't need a laugh track. I know what's funny and what I want to laugh at. Right. And so it just, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to, yeah. I want people to say, here's a story. You know, and like the story or don't like the story. Yeah. So I, they're not going to make the money. They're not going to get the money from the Hollywood people because it's not going to be what people want nowadays, which is entertain me. I don't know. You know, it's, it's the same mentality of people that sell a lawnmower and it has to have a label on it that says not for oral consumption. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, the lawyers get involved yeah. and, and, yeah. So, and the money people get involved. So if you can tell a story, yeah. 
and say, here it is, and do it in a nice format. It doesn't have to be... You could probably think of a lot of movies along those lines. Well, it's, it's, bang you over the head. But it's hard for TV and movies now because if, if they don't get your interest immediately, you're not going to have – Seinfeld couldn't exist today because it was – it didn't do well in the first couple seasons. Then it took off. It che- the Cheers show. was the same way. They, Cheers the same way. Same with rock and roll bands in the 60s. Yeah. They, they had slack. Ozzy Osbourne talked about it. Yeah. John Forty talked about it. Yeah. They had some slack in the early years. Yeah. Peter Frampton, one of my favorite, would never would have made it. Humble fr- Yeah. Oh, well, Steve Marriott. <laughs> yeah. They never would have had the opportunity to fail a little bit. Yeah. Fail meaning only sold 4,000 out but now you know until it actually came about and so it is it's very much very much a what have you done for me now society and I feel bad for great artists that might not my son we just went and saw Sergio Mendes in Brazil 66 and so we're fantastic he has a really eclectic taste in everything Mm -hmm. and so he he plays a lot of new artists that I might not have uh, heard of that are fantastic and I don't know if they're going to so when he goes up to the Fox Theater in Oakland he goes yeah I'm going to see one of these artists that I've heard of Um, I go are they making money because to me I want them to make money he goes yeah "Yeah, they sold out ticket prices weren't like I went and I saw what did I see ZZ Top yeah and uh, well, that's how you make your money. One hundred and fifty bucks a ticket. Now, yeah. there's only thirty bucks a ticket for yeah. the younger crowd. But they're, I go good for them. They're yeah. good artists and yeah. they're making money at it. Well, look, they're not going to make it through their music. It, the whole uh, system is, is shifted. It used to be you released an album to make money and you would tour to promote the to album. To support your album. It's the opposite now. You're basically releasing the album so you could you know, promote your tour. Absolutely. It has changed. Yeah. And the whole scene, I remember a, a real good book is called Hammer of the Gods. It's oh, Le- absolutely. It's a, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Yeah. Remember when Zeppelin, after, their, after they were... Mud- <laughs> the Mud Shark. Edgewater Hotel in yeah, Seattle, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Uh, there's a famous story when they're throwing TVs off the oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. And so Peter Grant comes and just handing out how much the TV is 40. So he's just laying out you know, a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And he goes, like, oh, they're kind of in trouble. And the manager goes, you know, I always wanted to kind of do that. So it's okay. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, Guess what? He goes have one on Led Zeppelin. And he went to the, and he threw it in the ocean. So uh, the, the debauchery or what have you. But yeah. they, they were the ones that kind of changed the scene. Yeah. Keith they, Moon, yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. little go over to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. They the whole oh, story behind yeah. that, the classic story. Yeah. And uh, But they wanted to, when they, the U.S. was clamoring for stadium rock and touring. Yeah. Just before they're in their big tours. And so they, so Bill Graham and all the people were calling saying, okay, yeah, you'll come. Great. And it's yeah. the same 80-20. They said, yeah, eighty twenty. Except, except, it's eighty us, twenty you. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, absolutely. They said f you. Yeah. They go fine. We'll just sit over here. They call back. No, f you. Okay, fine. We'll just keep touring Europe. Yeah. And then finally they call and said, look, for this, but we'll provide these things too. Yeah. And it kind of kind of shifted the and they wanted cash. Yeah. They didn't trust promoters. And so it kind of shifted the world yeah. into thinking more along the lines of the artist, yeah. less along the lines of, because that was back in the day. Have you read Hotel California? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The record producers ruled the world well, for Bill, these people. Bill Graham ruled, ruled the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, these people were not always good up and up. No. It's, it's like not dissimilar to Don King ruining Mike Tyson. Absolutely. Gus Amato was, he was his father figure. Because, Mike yeah. Tyson would have had a different arc if he yeah. had had... Gus Amato, yep. but now Don King took over. It was the same thing with some of these. I'm not going to say David Geffen, but yeah. some of the big names that just probably didn't have the famous TLC story where they, yeah. they had the best-selling album in the, in the world. Yeah. They didn't have they any, money. any they, money. They made 30000 that year. Well, so. these guys don't realize that the money you're using to spend to create your album is your money. Like, you're borrowing it. And so there, you whatever you sell, you could sell 2 million albums, but that's only going to pay off what you spent. So yeah. And they have creative more. financing on their, yeah, in their favor. So, yeah, so you're a sports fan. Your mm-hmm. dad, too. There's a tendency to think, oh, they signed for. He wants how much? I'm, partially because my nephew played ten years in the NFL. Uh-huh. But players should get all 
they can get. Yeah. Well, especially get, in the NFL. They're yeah, well, they the no guarantee. They, yeah. they should get all they get. Do, I, do you begrudge Barry Zito for getting his contract? Absolutely I don't not. know. Absolutely no. not. Uh, or or uh, Matt Cain for... The entertainers. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Cain and Linscombe got paid for their previous work. That's you know, and for like, me, yeah. Tim Linscombe will always be a hero in my absolutely. book. He, he, he was absolutely stellar and fantastic. Yeah. yeah so, you know, should, does that mean he wasn't the worst pitcher in baseballs? Yeah. No, he was the worst pitcher in all yeah. baseball. That doesn't taint his early career in any way. People take it out on, on athletes, but what if you have a box office bomb? Tom Cruise is still getting his $30 million, whether the movie does well or not. And uh, Well, sometimes they sign contracts where they get points on the film, but... Well, the, the most know. famous case of that is yeah. who? Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, that's right. For in the, Batman. Yes, yeah. Where he, decided, he he negotiated the contract his way and made something like $100 million yeah. off of... So, and that just catapulted him, but he was... For somehow got, yeah. I won't say got over, but uh, I don't know the full story. But he got he got what he wanted. Brando, I guess, did that. He did points for Last Tango in Paris. So he didn't think this movie. He was just coming off The Godfather, and they got him to do it, and that ended up being a huge blockbuster. For some reason, it was yeah. not a good motion no, picture. But, well, <laughs> it was rated X at the time, so I think that helped. But Brando um, could have yeah. been a contender. <laughs> great, 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 insanely great. Going actor. back to to Zeppelin and Bonham, there's a great. I'm going to connect this. So supposedly, uh, ten years after, who was on Woodstock. So Alvin, Alvin Lee, Lee, there's a great uh, story where um, I saw them live. Bon- really, yeah. Bonham came and poured orange juice as a prank on Alvin Lee while I was playing. Well, when that happens, you get all sticky and you can't play as fast. And Bonham's just roaring in the back. But Alvin Lee was not because he was the fastest guy. Yeah, he was considered oh, the fastest. Yeah, yeah, he was, was, like, yeah, Alvin Lee was not happy with that. No, no, not at all. That, <laughs> talking about an underrated band. I mean. Ten years after, stole the show on Woodstock. Oh uh, yeah, I'm going, going home. home. Still yeah. one of my favorite live songs Absolutely. of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just passed away last he year. He did. Yeah, I really, 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 along with Johnny Winter and BB oh, King and some of the greats, and great guitarists. Chuck Berry just turned ninety, so he's wow. Still yeah. In the Led Zeppelin book, there's a famous story like they're playing somewhere at a college campus, and Chuck Berry's gonna. Play. Yeah. They're like they're out of their minds. Chuck Berry, their hero. They he pumped. Showtime, he pulls up, grabs his amp and his guitar, hey boys, yeah. comes in, plugs in, plays a couple songs, grabs his money and leaves, they're like, uh, uh, uh. That's the way he does it. <laughs> he would always make sure he got his money, because he's from the old school, where you didn't, you weren't sure if you could get paid Oh, especially a black artist, you might not get paid, what are you going to do? Yeah, especially you know, back in the, the back 40s in the and 50s, absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite stories of that, there's a lot of good stories, yeah. but it's a story where Sammy Davis, with part of the Rat Pack, yeah. uh, when... Vegas said, because you're married to a white woman, you can't play Vegas. Mm. And Frank Sinatra and those guys said, then we're not playing. Screw you. Yeah. And they went, oh, I guess he's okay. Exactly. They stuck up for their friend and said, screw you. Oh, Absolutely. I love that story. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dave. This has been an absolute My pleasure, pleasure. Brian. Absolute and we're going to definitely have you on more because we'll get through. I'm going to give you a list of all the next next episodes we're going to do, and we'll, we'll come, I'll come back and we'll knock them all out. All right. One of these days, we're going to talk about quantum physics, mind-body connection. <laughs> we'll talk about okay. reality, consciousness, and all sorts of things that will be guaranteed Anyone listening, if you have insomnia, we'll cure it. Hey, that's what we're all about here. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Brian. Again, special thanks to Dr. Dave Nichols for joining me on this podcast. If you live in the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a terrific chiropractor, don't hesitate to get in touch with Dr. Dave. He has worked wonders for my father, and he can do the same for you. Also, as you just heard from our discussion, you'll get a fabulous conversation in addition to healing what ails you. So take a look at the show notes for Dr. Dave's contact details at Belmont Advanced Chiropractic or just go to adjustedforhealth.com. All right. So for the plugs this week, you know what to do. You need to go to iTunes and rate and review the show. You can do that at Damn Good Movie Memories. 
You can also go to Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. You can check out our Facebook page. You can also check out our YouTube page. So do all that. But most importantly, just enjoy the show and spread the word. All right. Talk to everyone next week.